Rock and Roll's Greatest Failure. Call Baby That's Really Me by John Otway. Read by John Otway. Call Baby That's Really Me. Chapter 12. After a couple of months, John was not only aware of how hard people worked at CBS Factory to make hits, he was also sick of working hard to make hits for other people. He decided he would have to find another job. Using the formula he had used in deciding his last employment, he wondered what would sound good in interviews later on. The first idea he came up with was a lavatory attendant in the toilets in the new town centre. Yeah, that would have been a corker, he says. I could have said things like, I had a very convenient job. People came in and did the jobs <laughs> and horrid things like that. It would have been really funny. But in the end, I didn't think it was really fair on my parents. I had put them through quite a lot. And I don't think it would have been very nice for them to have to admit to their friends that their only son was a toilet cleaner. In the end, he ended up getting the one job he ever says he quite enjoyed, which must have some truth in it, as this one lasted over two years. He became a dustman. I thought that was a pretty good compromise, and it was good fun. He started early in the morning and finished early in the afternoon. I was on country rounds most of the time, around the little villages surrounding Aylesbury. Buckinghamshire is a delightful county, and I got to see a lot of it, in ways that very few people do. I could also sing at work, which was nice. The other blokes on the round used to think it was a bit strange me singing all the time. But that job had a tendency to attract eccentric people anyway. Pauline had moved to Evesham as her father had found a new job there. And Otway started spending most weekends in Worcestershire. It is easy to follow the courtship of John and Pauline, as Otway kept a diary at the time. We used to ask John if he could borrow his diary to see what gigs he had coming up and then count the amount of hearts that had appeared since the last time we looked. That boy had such a romantic view of sex, says Potter. Otway met up with Chris Needs again in the spring of 1984 and discovered that his old bongo player was now working as a journalist for the local paper The Bucks Advertiser. Never want to miss an opportunity for media exposure... Otway suggested the two of them get back together to do some gigs. The problem was that there were not many places to play. We seemed a bit of a waste to Otway, who had now found an easy way to get local newspaper exposure. John, as ever, employed his technique of doing something expensive when faced with a problem of this type. He had long wanted to do a concert in the town which he could both headline and fill. John knew that there were no more than 20 people in Aylesbury that would be willing to pay to see him, and not many more that would come even if they didn't have to pay. But, as he had learnt in the past, no problem is too big if you can borrow enough money to solve it. His solution was the John Otway Free Concert. Otway hired a Bedgrove Pavilion in Aylesbury and persuaded a couple of local bands who could fill the place to come and play. Otway took this event very seriously. He hired a massive PA and huge lighting rig. He had hundreds of posters and handouts printed and booked a substantial amount of advertising in the local press. Willie, meanwhile, 
had been doing very well. He had secured himself a recording deal with Transatlantic Records. And as he had not made a film or anything like that, he did not have to work as a dustman to pay off debts. John asked Willie if he would play at the pre-concert and Willie, very wary of any Otway scheme, said no. However, were Otway to book a studio, he would be prepared to record some backing tapes so John could sing along to his playing. Basically, I'll do anything as long as I don't have to go on stage with him, said Willie. A few years before all this, John had met an old lady who claimed she was a psychic. She had told him he should wear earrings, as they would be very lucky for him. During this period of his life, John needed all the luck he could get. So, Paul Bert the roadie was summoned to Ashgrove with his red-hot darning needle, his ice cubes and his wine cork to perform the necessary operation. The concert went very well. The support acts did draw the crowd, as expected, but Otway's performance was patchy, as neither John or Chris Needs could keep in time with the backing tapes, which had taken Willie a week to record. By the end of the night, though, there were enough funny bits to amuse the audience, and, as it was a free concert, everyone was in a pretty good mood. A recording of this concert still exists. Unfortunately, the microphone was placed next to Paul Burt, the ear piercer, who can be heard much louder than Otway, saying things like, Christ, this is awful. And, how are we going to get him off? John was rewarded for the effort. Chris Needs, under another name, had written a piece for the front page of the Bucks Advertiser, which started, Dustman by day, pop star by night, and went on to say how good the bongo playing was. It was always a first front page. Being a dustman had its advantages. The following week, whilst John was doing the rounds, amongst the rubbish, he managed to collect 75 copies of that front page. This brief flurry of excitement and local fame soon died, however, and the summer slipped by quietly, if not lazily, judging by the number of hearts in Otway's diary. Under the surface, nevertheless, things were bubbling, which was soon to have an effect on Otway's career and lifestyle. <laughs> 